0: 30, 40 years ago, we didn't have the research that we have now that says children are better off with one emotionally healthy parent than they are with two parents together who are not thriving at their full capacity because they're unhappy. I know
1: you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hello, and thank you for tuning into another episode of I'm Not Your Shrink. I am sitting with Michelle Dempsey today, and we are talking all about learning to listen to ourselves when it comes to the decision to divorce and separate, overcoming that pain of divorcing, handling a high-conflict ex, and shifting your perspective from lemons to lemonade after divorce. Michelle is a co-parenting mom, author, divorce coach, and certified divorce specialist, helping women move on before, during, and after divorce. It was such a pleasure to sit with Michelle, and she has so much to offer here. I also can't wait to get my hands on her book. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Michelle, I'm so glad that you are joining us here today. Thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast and giving me your time. I'd love to be here. Thank you for having me. Maybe we can just start by talking about who you are
0: so that our listeners know more about you. Wow. That's a fully loaded question. Such well, a big one to start. <laughs> the, uh, the elevator pitch is, my name is Michelle Dempsey Moltak. You may know me as the Michelle Dempsey on Instagram. And if not, you should check me out because I am an author, divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, co-parenting mom, uh, speaker, podcaster, helping women move on from divorce.
1: Your role is so important. It is such a powerful one. I- You know, I see the tags about go check out Michelle Dempsey, everything that you're offering. You just have such a beautiful space. And I know so many women need
0: that support and connection. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the the space was really born out of that need. But the person who needed it was me. Um, When I got divorced, I was the first in my friend group. I was only 33 My daughter was two. It was very, very isolating. And at the time, nobody was really putting out content on social media about divorce. I mean, there was all this like empowering you go girl stuff. But I I wanted to know if there was another mom out there who was crying every time she dropped her child off at her ex's house to co-parent. And so I started putting the content out there and shifted the nature of my writing for the publications I was writing for, like Scary Mommy and Parents and all of that, to single motherhood and and co-parenting and divorce-focused content, because that's really what was taking over my life. And out of that, this community was formed, and it's been so beautiful. You talk about something so
1: important right away there, which is often around um, the shame that women experience
0: Mm -hmm. when it comes to making such a big decision. Um, Can can you relate to that? Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, my saying is you can't shame me if I'm not ashamed, right? Like, I was empowered by my decision to get divorced because I knew it was the ultimate best thing for me. And even though it was the hardest decision I had to make. Sometimes, you know, we have to make the hard ones for, for a good cause, but yes, there were so many people around me who, you know, people don't know how to treat divorce. It's like, it's like a cancer diagnosis. Like you whisper it like, Oh, she's divorced. Mm -hmm. And I would be, you know, I, I write about this in one of the opening chapters of my book, like a few weeks after my split, I was in a coffee shop with my mom and we bumped into one of her friends. We live in a small city And she was like, I am so sorry to hear about your divorce. And I was like, why? And my mom like pinched me, you know, like don't embarrass me. And I was like, well, you don't have to be sorry. I'm not. And people started to be like really taken aback by that response. But for me, it was it was a choice I had to make. And for other people who don't understand what it is to be in a bad marriage and how hard it is to get yourself out of it, all they feel for you is sadness and, you know, it's funny because now that I have friends who are divorced, it's like, they'll be the ones who are like, congratulations on your divorce. And the mm-hmm. married people are like, I'm so
1: sorry. Right. It's, it's really funny. That's such a powerful shift in the way that <clears throat> excuse me, we often think that there, there's something to be sorry about that we, we should be sad. And, and oftentimes what we don't realize is that leading up to that separation
0: decision, it hasn't been good probably for a really long right. time. It's not like I woke up one day, guys, and was like, you know what, I think today I'll get divorced. Right. It it really took, you know, first of all, when a woman wants to get divorced, she knows probably years before that she's in the wrong relationship. So mm-hmm. I kind of knew from day one, we probably weren't a good match. Um, I had a feeling it would implode eventually. I just didn't know when. And then once I knew that I had to get out of the marriage in order to be a better version of myself it took me about a year of back and forth and you know having those fights where you threaten divorce and nothing happens and then you resent each other nobody's taking each other seriously anymore and it it was a long time in the works so you know i get a lot of questions about like how do you know when it's time to leave mm-hmm. and it's one of those things and it sounds so cliche, but you literally just wake up one day knowing and you're like, okay, this is it. Today's the day. Right.
1: Yeah. I, I, My experience interacting with others around this is often this back and forth battle around, is this the right decision? Mm-hmm. Is it the wrong decision? And people often come into my office thinking, you know, it, am I going to regret this? Will this be right? Was? And we often do this in our decisions. It's like we want to control the outcome,
0: right? We want to control and have
1: this sense of reassurance, like you're making the right, and I'm using quotation marks, the right decision.
0: Right. Well, the thing about that is like, you know, and I'm a control freak, so this was a very hard lesson for me to learn. You really have no control over tomorrow. Even if you stay in a situation that feels comforting, like not rocking the boat with a divorce tomorrow your husband can wake up and tell you he wants a divorce. There is no knowing what can come from it. What you can do is make all the decisions behind that decision to ensure that the future is something that works for you. So you do feel a sense of control. And I I never felt more out of control than I did when I was married to my ex-husband. Oh, that's interesting, eh? Like just that sense of out of control and not
1: feeling like like you had control of what's happening. And of course, in our relationships, there's two people, you can't control the other person. We, we, we want to think that we can, but ultimately we can't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you then start shifting inwards to listen to that inner truth of yours, that knowledge of, I have to make this
0: hard decision? Um, I started really like Talking to my mom. So very close with my mom. I am a child of divorce. And my mom went through one of the most brutal and ugly divorces, like in our community's history, back when I was eight years old, my parents split up and their divorce took almost 10 years to finalize. It was ugly. It was like in and out of court, guardians, um, police, like newspapers, like it was always something. And I really started talking to my mom. My mom knew I wasn't happy. And in, in connecting with her and being open with her, she would remind me like what it ha- what it took for her to be able to move on. She was an immigrant to this country. She didn't have a job. There was no internet, social media, self-help, you know, for uh-huh. divorce. It was literally just like get divorced in America with none of her family around, no source of income to maintain her pride and integrity and be able to, to be a better mom to her children because of what she had dealt with in the marriage or suffer. And she chose to take the hard road, the road less traveled. And so that was something that really like resonated in my brain as as I started to shift from, oh my God, I'm getting divorced to like, oh my God, I need to have this happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. You talk about that support there, eh? Of having someone to talk to and to really hear what your experiences are and to know in a way that you're, you're not alone in that.
0: No, I, I'm very grateful to have had that. And of course, like, you know, my mom's version of divorce and mine have been very different. And of course, like with your mom, she's going to give you this advice because she's coming from a place of like trying to help. But I've had to, especially in the beginning, like sit her down and be like, look, our situations are very different. While Uh we both went through ugly things in our marriage, my ex-husband is not half as bad as who my dad was. So like, there's been a lot of support and also there has to be boundaries with the people who support you too sometimes because they're coming from their own perspective. Um, but having that really helped me believe that if, if she can, if she was able to weather divorce the way that she weathered it, that I can too. And in some ways, as sad as it sounds, I felt like built for it. I kept telling myself like, you've been through so much worse, Michelle, you can, you can get through Uh this.
1: Uh Yeah, kind of just knowing and trusting yourself. Yeah. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions. But I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature-regulating technology which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality but the best part is that if you're worried about commitment enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases head over to cozyearth.com and use promo code shrink for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with cozy earth Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher, or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, There is no compromise, so we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient reviewed in network doctors, including mental health providers and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com slash I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would going to. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me and these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation i still hear greg i can still hear the kids i love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L O O P X D R T R A C Y for 10% off your order. You touch on something so important there around having boundaries, uh, especially with our loved ones that we are leaning on support. It's kind of, you know, we think of anything that we've been through having kids, getting married, separation, divorce, miscarriages that oftentimes people want to say, Oh yeah. I've experienced that too. Or, oh, my experience, this, instead of being able to see, actually, we have two different experiences. Like yours Mm -hmm. is going to be different than mine and that's okay.
0: And I I wonder how did you set those boundaries? With her or in general?
1: Yeah. In general or with her?
0: I mean, it's important that I set them actually in the content I share, because I'm always very careful to say, look, I know it's not common to feel as empowered about divorce as I felt. I felt that way because of my own trajectory and the things I had been through. So I'm always sort of putting it out there that like our experiences are not the same. You know, for example, with my mom, I was very eager to start co-parenting. Like I didn't want to delay it anymore. I wasn't excited about it, but I knew it was important for Bella to have time with her dad. And I remember my mom being like, Ugh, you're just so easily like, you know, doing this. And, and don't you want to wait? And don't you want to wait till she's older? And I, and I knew in my heart of hearts, it was the right thing to do. And so I had to tell her like, look, your experience in co-parenting me is not going to be the same as it is for me to Uh co-parent Bella. I am, you know, I have the knowledge that parents didn't have 30 years ago. So, you know, just sort of constantly letting people know that like, we may feel the same way or we may not, but it's all because we're coming from our own backgrounds and our own perspectives. You know, if you're not a child of divorce, you're going to have far less strength and empowerment in getting divorce because you don't you know nothing about it. You don't, you don't know what you don't yeah, know.
1: Right. You're the you're the first one to experience it. Right. And, and also, too, you know, thinking if so, if someone listening is that in that experience, you know, I'm also thinking about the messages that they would get from their parents who are still yeah. together, right? That oftentimes then their own belief system comes on to them of, oh, we should make it work. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your, your dad and I, we struggled too. We had our hard right. stuff. So you guys just need to get through the hump.
0: Right. So to that, I always say, you know, if, if they're not lying in bed with you at the end of the night, feeling oh. what you're feeling, they have no right to put okay. their, you know, wisdom on you. And I'm using wisdom in air quotes because our parents mean well and the people who dole yes. out advice often mean well, but they're coming from their own place of fear and they're projecting. So maybe your mom who's telling you, maybe you should just work it out knew in her heart of hearts in the ugliest part of her marriage. Cause every marriage has ugly parts that she could never survive alone. And maybe she feels the same thing about you. And also 30, 40 years ago, we didn't have the research that we have now that says, Children are better off with one emotionally healthy parent than they are with two parents together who are not thriving at their full capacity because they're unhappy. Um, Harvard research states that children only need one stable caregiver to thrive. So, okay. if it means your divorce means that your ex is going to be completely out of the picture and not even be involved, but it also means your emotional safety and well being, you know, that's the risk you have to take because. The the notion of how is this gonna affect the kids? The divorce itself doesn't affect the kids. It's how you behave afterwards with mm-hmm. with their parents. So, you know, I I appreciate the advice givers, but I also tell people to take it with a grain of salt.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I absolutely love that you've touched on that research piece. It is a common fear that I hear from women that I work with. Um, you know, sometimes even I'll start out as couples therapy. One partner says, no, I'm not coming anymore, but it's often the woman that comes back and says, okay, what do I do? I'm I'm so afraid. Like what will happen for my kids? How are they going to do? And we talk a lot about
0: that research of what are you teaching them about relationships Mm -hmm. by having them. That was a big one for me, Tracy. That was, that was huge for me because I had such an unhealthy background in my relationships with men. I was typical daddy issues, girl, um, anxious attachment style. And I, you know, will own up to the fact that I stayed in bad relationships just so I wouldn't have to be alone. And I'm like, you know, once, once I became a mom to a little girl, you see that differently. You're like, what standard do I want to set for my child? Don't I want right. her to, you know, our children's example of relationships starts in the home. So if you want them to one day grow up and demand that they're treated with respect and kindness and common decency, you're going to have to model that yourself. So that was a big tipping point for me.
1: The, the word that's often used ar- around this is this idea of cycle breakers. That we're we're not repeating the cycle or we're changing something that's happening, right? Because we we get, you know, like you said, wisdom. We get gifts. I'm using air quotes, gifts from our parents. Mm -hmm. And we learn things from them. And it's our decision of what do I want to do with this gift now? Do I want to keep repeating it? Whether it's, you know, what we learned about emotions or what we learned about how we show up with a significant other. And yeah, that's so powerful. You looked at your daughter and just said... I want something to be different
0: for her. I remember a moment in the hospital after she was born. My pregnancy was so rocky in terms of like stress in my marriage. And I remember looking at her and just being like, in my mind, like, okay, I got you. Like, it's me and you. I don't care about anything else. Like, we're going to figure this out Mm -hmm. together. And that's very much, you know, essentially how it's been. You you knew earlier. You had that inside of you.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 So you said that you are divorce courts co- coach. You yes. work with women around this. So what are some of those common challenges that you see come up for women in terms of making this decision?
0: Making the decision is mm-hmm. the challenge. So I work with, I would say 75% of the women I'm working with are right there on the cusp of wanting to leave or have just left. And they're kind of like, "Ah, eh, what do I do now? But yeah. the women who are on the brink of leaving, its it's amazing how women and men are so different emotionally. So the women who are on the cusp of leaving have known forever that they're unhappy. They've been sitting back, watching their marriages deteriorate, deteriorate, grasping at straws, trying anything to make it work. And now they know it can't work. But what do they not want to do? Upset anyone? So I really coach them through. There's the that notion. caregiver piece there, eh? mm-hmm. like, like I want to care for
1: everybody. I don't want anyone to be upset. I want right. to please everybody else, which is such a
0: a challenge that women grow up learning and experiencing. Right, and then the other part of that is unraveling all of what they think could happen in a divorce. So many women will come to me and say, well, my ex, my husband told me if I leave him, I'll never be able to see my kids. And so they believe that. And this is why I'm always saying, just because someone says something doesn't make it true. And I talk to them about the actual law and how just because your ex says that doesn't mean a court is going to be like, sure, take this kid away from his mother for no absolute reason. It doesn't work like that. So it's really helping them get clear on what is possible what can't happen, what will happen, what the road ahead will look like. And in many cases, I'm helping women like literally design the conversation they're going to have with their spouse when they end the marriage. And then the other part of that is working with women as they ease into this life, um, particularly co-parenting with a high conflict spouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering those, those like common themes.
1: So we kind of talked about like, we don't want to upset people. Mm-hmm. Um, the fear of rocking the
0: boat, the fear mm-hmm. of like what will what, what's going to be with my children, but the children's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, is he going to make my life a living hell? And, and that's, those are really like the common thread fears yeah. and questions. And we work on all of that. You know, I can't change how your husband or your ex is going to behave, but I can certainly change how you receive that, what you give back and how you move forward, sort of taking that nonsense and just making it white noise in the background. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm always amazed by the community that shows up on
1: my Instagram space that, um, I ask someone will ask a question, you know, I'm afraid to leave. Do others feel the same way? Mm-hmm. And then I'll always put a comment box, you know, what would you say to this mama? Cause they're like, oh, I have a two-year-old. I don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. And I'm just amazed at the support of all the women that will say, you know, your child will thank you later on. You need to look after you. Like, there's just so much support that really normalizes that if you need to leave, you you listen to that part.
0: Yeah. Um, There was a woman who responded to something like that on, on one of my posts recently. Somebody wrote, okay, but how do I even leave? I'm so scared. And a mama responded and was like, I knew I had to leave. I took my kids. I lived in a homeless shelter. I did what I had to do. I just got my first apartment. I'm working full-time and my kids are fine. And to me, that was so inspiring because it shows, you know, sometimes it really is better off being out in the streets than in the situation that you're in because these situations are very toxic. And if they're not physically abusive, they are very emotionally abusive. And that's very hard to withstand, especially when you're a mother. Yes, absolutely. You mentioned
1: being able to help the, help women with the scripts of what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. What are some of those things that you help them with? Because the common thing I hear is, well, how do I express this to my partner without hurting them?
0: The first thing is getting over the fact that like, it's going to hurt. There's no, I mean, you can't rap put a bow on like a pile of shit. Yeah. I like to say you can't, there's no way to make it sound pretty. Like yes. I love when people are like, we split amicably. And then you find out like down the road, there was someone who wanted it way more than the other. Um, you know, the conversation is really designed. It, it's different for everyone. You know, I get to know, The conversation and the communication style of the client. you know, are they more introverted? Are they afraid of conflict? So we designed it around that. And also what she's telling me about her spouse's communication style is he, does he usually have fits of anger or rage? Uh So it may depend, but Either way, the bottom line is you need to get really, really, really clear on your message. There can't be room for gray area. I remember Mm -hmm. once breaking up with a guy like years and years ago when I was in my 20s and I didn't actually, I never actually broke up with him. I was like, um, I think I'm just going to like move out for a few weeks. And then I just like never came back. I never gave him a reason. That's not what you want to do. You want to be really clear. And also remember that you're not asking for permission. You're declaring this marriage is not working. It cannot continue like this. We are ending it now. I need you to move out, or I will be leaving. I've consulted with an attorney, and next steps will be filing for divorce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Would you recommend consulting with an attorney beforehand?
0: Absolutely always, because for a number of reasons. First of all, you need, if you're not working with a coach, you can't really explain the process to you. You definitely need and understanding of the legal process. Because like I said, your ex is going to tell you, well, I won't give you money or I'm not going to let you see the kids. Neither of those things are true or possible. So you want to hear it from an attorney. And apart from that, if you're really gunning to have like a good attorney in your community, um, you kind of want to get them first because if your ex is scouting for attorneys before you and and your ex has already spoken to this person, this person can represent you. So you kind of want to get the good one first
1: it's important, right? You need to protect yourself.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. I, I like how what you're saying there is let's look at your style and how you communicate. Cause mm-hmm. we're not going to send you in and expect you to assert yourself in a manner that you've never been able to do before. But then right. also like, let's look at
0: what your partner does and is it safe? Is it safe how you're going to express it? And also, you know, there, are, there are, ways to trigger anger in a, in a conversation that we avoid no matter the communication style of the spouse, because, you know, if you're using more, you know, you always did this and you hurt me and you, 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 it's, it's going to be very triggering. It's all, it's always going to be triggering, but it's going to sound like more of a threat than if you say, listen, we've been doing this for years. We're just not getting anywhere. I need to protect myself, I know I need to be a better person and I can be that person outside of this marriage Mm -hmm. rather than you make me feel like a pile of shit. You're the worst. There's, you know, there's ways to have that, that conversation. And again, like this is all based on all of the things I've done wrong in my past. I did not have the most productive. It's over conversation with my ex and, Uh and I regret that, but Now I can help people not make the same mistakes.
1: Yes, right. We can teach others. Yeah, you you know, there's something so important there. And that's a common mis, it's a common communication error that we make is we focus on the other person Mm -hmm. and then we throw in, like, let's just use shit, for example, we throw, we just keep throwing shit in, right? Mm -hmm. And it gets so big. And then, of course, that escalates with the other person. They're going to naturally get defensive because they feel like they're under attack. Right. And I really like how you're shifting there. Of like, you know, we've been going at this. It's not working. These are things I need and feel. And
0: yeah. I make want it about you. Happen. Like make the uh-huh. conversation selfish if you have to, so that it doesn't feel like you're putting a hundred percent of the blame and responsibility on your ex because yes. it's not all of his fault. It takes two to undo yeah. a marriage. Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So one of your recent Instagram posts said
1: being on the receiving end of constant anger fueled projection from an ex is basically the universe reminding you of why you left in the first place. Take it as a reason to keep moving forward. I just thought that was so powerful.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I'm four years out. I'm still on the receiving end. Um, You know, in the beginning, it's really triggering. Like, you know, I have, I have a client I'm meeting with today who gets like some of the ugliest messages from her ex. And it's like, you're the worst mom and your kids are going to see one day how horrible you are. And I'm like, look, this this is a projection. Yeah. And and those those projections in the beginning don't feel like projections. Words hurt, especially from people we once shared a life and a bed and and a world with. So, you know, I'm always helping women, like, learn to take that for what it is. Hurt people hurt people. And men are really, really, really good at projecting because they sometimes don't know what to do with their emotions, especially if they're high conflict kind of person. And so, you know, it's important that you don't take that stuff to heart because if you start sitting there thinking, oh my God, I'm a bad mom. And what's he going to do? You're not going to get anywhere. Like there's no room for that. You really have to just block it out. And, and, you know, sometimes my Um. ex will say things to me and I'm like, Right. But that's, that's you. Like you're literally talking about yourself. I don't say that to him, but uh-huh. I know he's projecting and sometimes, you know, they have nowhere else to project. So I'm just like, okay, I'll take it. And I, I'm like a brick wall at this point. I don't let it in because there's no point.
1: Uh-huh. The analogy of the boundaries is some kind of like, what is it? Is it a property line? Is it a wall? Something it's gotta it's a fence, be a wall. It's right? gotta be
0: like a good wall that like yeah. you can't set on fire, you can't knock down, you know, it can't bust through. It's it's gotta be a good one. Yes, of course.
1: Because that that stuff, you're 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 right in that sense that, you know, what do we do with hurt feelings? It's really hard to sit with it. And if we were to just, just go to gender stereotypes. We know that men are often not encouraged to sit with their feelings and to process no. feelings the same way that women have been encouraged at a younger age. We know that in terms of how children are raised,
0: I had this conversation with my husband recently. He's a family court judge. And, you know, I see the same types of clients every day and he sees the same types of situations uh-huh. in his courtroom every day. And the, it is literally like the same pattern of ex-husband every single day, high conflict, angry, can't put aside his anger, you know, can't see what's best for the kids. Cause he's so mad at the ex-wife. And I'm like, why is that? And he had a really good point. He was like, you know what? I see you. And I see the work you're doing for women. And he's like, I, it's very obvious to me what the issue is. Women in these times of divorce, read the self-help books. They follow the Instagram accounts. They're hanging on to those quotes. They're reading the blogs. They're joining Facebook communities. Men don't do that. They're not looking for the self-help and it's not because they're bad or whatever. It's more just a female thing to want to reach out and find community. And it makes all the difference. Yeah, that's right. It's
1: a way of processing that anger, right? And to process those hard feelings versus when you hold in all of that hard stuff. As a male, pulling that all in, you're gonna blow somewhere. you have to, yeah, and keep pulling that in. but it's not, yeah, I mean being able to see that and really, you know, I like that what you're saying, because it's like this, like, and I'm like pushing my hands away because it's like you're depersonalizing, right? like you're you're saying this isn't about me right now. I'm gonna keep my wall. This is my ex having a tantrum. This is just what they do. It's not about me and my worth as mom or yeah. as an individual.
0: No, and they and they'll know your Achilles heel and they'll know how to like push oh, your yes. buttons. So yeah. you have to get clear on what your triggers are so you know, you mm. know, not to be triggered, right? Like nobody yes. can really trigger you but yourself. If right. you don't make those things triggers, they can't be triggered.
1: Oh, I love that, Michelle. Yes.
0: Knowing what your own triggers are
1: is so important. Mm-hmm. What other kinds of things should people be focusing on when it comes to dealing with a
0: high conflict X? Um, remembering that. When you get divorced and you have a divorce agreement and a parenting plan, something that highlights what your Mm co-parenting relationship is going to be, your calendar, your schedules, the rules in place for that, realizing that there is no need to communicate with your ex. like Those plans are designed with the thought in mind that these two people are never going to speak again and they need Uh a blueprint for co-parenting and their life after divorce. So realizing that there's so much interaction you probably have with your high conflict ex that you don't even need to have, you know, for a long time, I was answering texts that I didn't need to answer. Like, why is she wearing this? Or why did she do this? Mm -hmm. I don't need to answer those things. Right. Because like our parenting plan clearly states that if you're, daughter is in my care on her days. You trust that I'm going to do right by her and vice versa. Uh There is no trying to control what the parent is doing with the kids. You don't need to listen to that. There's no giving information that they're demanding when your parenting plan does not state that you have to give that information. So it's really getting clear on the fact that you don't have to give this person what they're usually demanding and asking for, because it's probably going to be way outside the bounds of Uh what they're legally entitled to. One of the things I often talk about in this
1: situation is also that we want to make sure we're not continuing to repeat that negative cycle that we continued to get into with our partners when we were married, Yeah, that that cycle is going to continue to go. They'll continue to trigger you. You'll respond in the same way. They'll respond in the same way. And then away you go in that cycle. And yet you're separated. You don't I, want to keep having
0: that cycle. That's such a good point. I'm always reminding clients and also reminding myself, like, It wasn't working when you're together. It's certainly not going to work when you're apart. So you have to stop trying to like validate your experiences or excuse yourself to this person or ask. Like the worst thing you can do is ask for permission when they don't have that sense of control anymore. Like, Oh, do you mind if I take the kids this weekend to see that? Why are you asking? Like we're done asking for permission. It's, it's your job to parent on your own, on your parenting days. Like, you know, we, but as women, we do tend to want to please. And we like to feel the validation of like a pat on the back mm-hmm. sometimes. And mm-hmm. we just have to stop looking for that because if you didn't get it in your marriage, you're certainly not going to get it in co-parenting. It's that piece around what are those core needs that you're looking for? And are mm-hmm. you still looking for
1: them from your ex-partner? And right. can you find them within yourself? Right? Like you said, that validation the sense of like knowing and trusting yourself and being seen like you're good enough, you're secure, you're okay. You don't keep, you don't need to keep getting that from your partner.
0: No, no. And if you're still looking for validation and acceptance from your partner, it's time to do some work on yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, you need to feel okay and justified in your choices uh, without anybody's opinions. Like, Uh you know, unfortunately we live in a society where we want the praise and the likes and the, and the hearts on our, on our posts, but none of that matters, right? Like if you can yeah. lay your head down on your pillow at night, knowing that you are doing the best that you can, none of it matters. Yeah, that's right. That, yeah. So what, for people who are struggling with the pain from making this decision, what, what would you say to them? I say don't try and like force yourself out of that pain you need to sit with it you have to feel to heal and very often and I'm you know using myself as an example I was I was like I hit the ground running two days after my split I was like guys, where are we going for dinner like calling my friends like and then the universe came and gave me and Bella the flu like a few days later and like oh, literally no. forced me to be home for a while alone oh, no. trying to take care of a sick toddler and I'll never forget being like okay. I know I need to sit with this. I know I need to sit and get accustomed to being alone. I know I need to grieve, you know, what I just went through. And I tell that to clients all the time like let yourself feel like shit. It's really important because if you don't get mm-hmm. those feelings out, they're going to be inside of you and come out in all sorts of weird ways. So, right. let yourself feel that pain. It's normal to feel the pain. Uh sit with it, write about it. Journaling is something that has helped me my whole life. I've always been highly sensitive and emotional and felt a lot of things. I had a very traumatic childhood. So writing was always my outlet. And still to this day, I'm sending my clients journals and prompts and things to write about when they are feeling helpless or hopeless and, and, you know, ways to find the good in every day. So, you know, I, I love to say, wake up in the morning a few minutes earlier than you usually would make a cup of coffee, grab your journal, write about a few things you're grateful for, write about the things you hated, about your ex, write about the things you want for yourself a year from now and use that as an outlet for your pain so that you have a place to put it. It's like a container. Like you're putting it in there, closing the lid, letting it be over there. So it's not within you. And then you're going about your day. That's beautiful. And then anytime during
1: the day, when it comes up, this is a strategy I always talk about with clients. When you're worrying about something during the day, or your mind is going to that spot and you start to spiral in all those thoughts remind yourself, I did that this morning. It's in the box. It's, it's in there. the container. I don't have to go there right now. I'm making a choice. I don't have to follow those thoughts. I can be right back here into what really matters to me. And what matters to me is being here with my kids,
0: yeah, being exactly. with my
1: friends, being with myself in this moment. You, you touched on something there that I think is really important. And that is this idea that we do need to do this healing for ourselves, this stopping the cycle in some way before we go into another relationship. Oh, yeah. Because I I like to say, like, I, the analogy I use is, like, we carry our suitcase with us, and then we show up in our next relationship, and we're like, hey, here's my suitcase. And sometimes it's it's organized, and other times it's just dark, and we don't know what's in there.
0: It's baggage if you don't heal it or learn from it. But if Mm -hmm. you do, it's experience. And there's a big difference there. Like, Mm. baggage is a whole pile of unhealed garbage you've suppressed for years. Experience is seeing where you failed, learning what your mistakes are and vowing to be better and and growing through that, right? Like acknowledging like the shitty parts of you that you brought to that relationship that you don't want to bring into the next one. Or maybe it's what you tolerated because a sense of low self-worth or lack of self-confidence. And you're like, no, I I want to be treated like a queen finally in my life. So I'm going to get stronger about that and feel that I deserve it. So yeah, I mean, you can bring your baggage or you can bring your lessons and and they're two very different things. Oh, I love that
1: that analogy. I'm going to have to, uh, that's definitely something that's going to sit with me and go forward with me, That it's yeah. just, yeah, that's a beautiful analogy. I love that. Let's think of just kind of leaving those who are listening and struggling with this, what would be like your top three things to say to them?
0: Um, if they're thinking of getting divorced, mm-hmm. you're going to be okay. Definitely. Nobody has actually died because they chose to get a divorce. Like that decision in itself never killed anybody. Yes. Your life is going to look so different a year from now. You're going to be so proud of yourself. Even if it means nothing's changed other than your marital status, you're going to be so proud of yourself for having made a difficult decision that you needed to make in order to better your life. And lastly, don't go through it alone. You don't know what you don't know. It's very, very, very helpful to have Mm -hmm. some sort of cheerleader in the process. If it's not a coach or a therapist, a a friend who's been through it, a family member who's been through it, somebody who is not just going to tell you what you need to hear, but be a good sounding board and, and really hold your hand when you need it for all the right reasons. That's really important. Yeah. Like just take the shame out of it. It's a shame. Shame keeps us in the dark. And if you can open up the curtains and
1: share it with someone and be open and vulnerable, that shame starts to go away. Okay. You have a book coming out. I do. Tell us about that and where we can find more information about you
0: so excited about this. Tracy! I've worked my my whole life for this. I just, you know, it's like one of those things, like you have these accomplishments in life and you're like, great. But then there's that underlying thing that you're dying to do. This has been it for me. It's been writing this book.
1: I can feel that from you just sitting with you.
0: Yeah. Um, when I was in third grade, I had a teacher named Mrs. Winston and she's that teacher that like will always stick with me because that was, she was really big into poetry and writing. And she brought that talent out of me and really encouraged it. I find my mom saved like all my work from third grade and I found all these notes from her about, you know, you're a beautiful writer. You're going to be an author one day. And so oh. now having it come to fruition is crazy, but um, yeah, work my butt off to be able to bring this to everybody. It's it, a labor uh, of love when you write a book. I think people need to acknowledge
1: that, that it's not just I'm sitting in a room drinking coffee and writing. It's a labor.
0: No, especially when you are writing about something you've been through that's painful. So, um, the book is called moms moving on real life advice for conquering divorce, uh, co-parenting with conflict and becoming your best self. It will be published by Simon and Schuster later this year, but it will be going on pre-order soon. If you visit the link in my bio uh, on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey, you can get Mm -hmm. on the list for pre-order information. I'm going to be doing a lot of work around, um, you know, workshops and courses and, and groups for women who are pre-ordering and purchasing, because I want everybody to who eventually gets the book in their hands to have a good, solid foundation of why this information is being laid out the way that it is. I have almost thirty chapters. really, it goes from like literally the morning after your split to when you're ready to go out into the world and find love again and how to handle that. So it literally it is a blueprint for divorce and kind of the what to expect when you're expecting, but for, yeah. Oh, yeah. Divorce in Women. And and I'm so proud of it. And I put so much into it, um, worked my butt off to get this book deal. So it feels really good. And I'm excited to bring it to everyone and excited for what comes next. That's amazing. And also just to
1: have your daughter see you stepping into yourself and all the things that you're offering to other people, like, ah,
0: oh, what a powerful. She's very excited about the book. She doesn't even know what <laughs> it's about, obviously, but She's like, she learned in kindergarten this year what a dedication page is. So the second she heard I was writing a book, she was like, will you have a dedication page? I was like, yeah, of course. And she's like, and will I be the person the book is dedicated to? I'm like, absolutely, Bella, you are, you are my reason. So yes. That's
1: beautiful. Michelle, thank you so much for sitting with me today and sharing such important wisdom with my community here. And I can't wait to get your book and just share it with so many people who I know are going to benefit from
0: it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and everybody listening. Thank you for being here. I would love to hear from you. Head over to iTunes and let me know what you
1: thought of today's episode leave me a review, send me a DM if there's a topic that you want me to cover or someone you would like to see in the podcast. I love hearing from this community. And as we finish up today, I just want to remind you, remember that you are right where you need to be. Remember this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. Until next time, take good care of you. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in